Today we finish our Lent series. We've been looking at the same passage each week from Isaiah chapter 9 and considering the royal titles that Isaiah gives to the coming Messiah. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. We've tried to understand them both in Isaiah's context and understand how Jesus fulfills them. Hear the text again. For to us is born a child, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Today we look at the theme of the Prince of Peace. Isaiah is looking forward to a coming leader who would bring true peace, lasting peace to Israel. He expects this to be a prince. Prince can refer to someone who is of a kingly line, uh, the child of a king. Um, But sometimes the term is just used as someone who's put in that kind of position or authority. And this prince will bring peace. The Hebrew word for peace is a great word called shalom. It's one of the few Hebrew words you might have heard before. Shalom, peace. But to just simply translate it as peace is to miss the fullness of this word. It is also can be translated as welfare, wholeness, or prosperity. It means that things are right in the world. Things are as they should be. Shalom is a word of greeting for the Jews even today. They will say shalom, meaning not just peace, but prosperity, welfare. It's a word of blessing on your life. Shalom. The way we would say, God bless you, or Happy New Year, they say, Shalom. The name Solomon is actually a variation on the word Shalom in Hebrew. He was the great, wise, and wealthy son of David, who brought a period of prosperity and peace for Israel. Of course, the problem with Solomon's peace is is twofold. First of all, it was really based on a lot of forced or cheap labor, and the abuse of some in the community. A lot of the work was done by the poor, and it really benefited the wealthy, and there was a lot of abuse. But the other problem with Solomon's shalom is it didn't last. The kingdom of Israel by Isaiah's time is divided into two kingdoms. The kingdoms are falling apart. The the rulers around them are gaining power and gaining viciousness. And when Isaiah writes, Israel is in desperate need of shalom. Everybody's waking up every day and have, with this sense of, man, this is not right. This is not the way things should be. Not everyone is receiving the prosperity, the welfare, the goodness that they should receive. In fact, this theme of peace, of shalom, is an important theme for Isaiah. Isaiah is looking for a peace that will last. A peace that God brings to make the world truly Right, where Israel has welfare and prosperity. Look, for example, at Isaiah chapter 11, starting in verse 6. 
Isaiah describes these amazing images of the shalom that is coming. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goats, the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together, and the lion and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze, their young shall lie down together, the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nurse, the nursing child shall play in the hole of the cobra, and the weaning child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's beautiful imagery Isaiah has of predator and prey lying down together. Predator and prey. No more would there be a gap between lion or between wolf and lamb, between lion and calf, between uh, cow and the bear. And this amazing sense that the vulnerable would be around the dangerous. The child leading the predators. The child playing around the poisonous snakes. There's no, there's no need to worry because things are so right in the world that accidents don't happen. That, that viciousness and predatory action doesn't happen. That kind of safety Isaiah and Israel long for. Isaiah says it differently in Isaiah chapter 2. He said, He shall judge between the nations. He shall decide disputes for many peoples. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation. Neither shall they learn war anymore. There's going to be so much shalom, Isaiah says. So much shalom, you're not going to need weapons anymore. There will be no need for weapons. Take your swords, you might as well use them to plow your field. Your spears to cut things, cut branches down. You won't need your weapons anymore. You won't need to learn war anymore. There won't be a need for armies anymore. That's the kind of shalom Isaiah looks for. It echoes the psalm's understanding of God in Psalm 46, 9. He makes war to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. No more need for chariots. No more need for tanks. No more need for bombing planes. No more need for any of that. Because there's going to be such a sense of shalom. The world is going to be right. And accidents and fighting and evil deeds will be no more. Again and again, the Old Testament cries out to God for shalom, for welfare, for prosperity, for peace. The world is not as it should be, the Bible tells us. So the Bible longs for, with us and with our world, for things to be made right. Of all the terms that Isaiah uses here, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace, it is perhaps this last term that's easiest to see Jesus pictured in. He is a prince, the son of the king, born of the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary. And he also comes to bring peace. We, were, we know he comes to bring peace because a group of angels tells us that very thing. In Luke 2 it says, In the same region there were angels out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. 
For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there were with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord had made known to them. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. The angel comes, tells these shepherds out watching their flocks by night that there's something special going on in Bethlehem, something special going on in the town near you. A Savior is born. You should go find this baby. But what do the angels join and sing together? They sing together the purpose of this baby, that God would give, get glory and that there would be peace on earth. The angels show up and sing in that field that shalom is here. Peace, prosperity, and welfare are here. The world is made right. It's not that difficult to see Jesus as the Prince of Peace. We see it right here in the Christmas story. Yeah, he's here to have peace. He's here to show peace. He's here to give peace. Seeing Jesus as the Prince of Peace is not the problem. Our problem today is feeling that peace, that shalom. Trying to see and imagine our world as if all things are right. Even in the Christmas story, if you keep reading, you find that the wise men come and then Jesus has to flee to Egypt because all of the babies in that region were killed as, they, as the king was trying to get to that baby, Jesus. Even the story is littered with a moment that says that peace is not here. Where is this peace? Where is this shalom that Jesus should bring? I look at our world of politics and war and terrorism. I look at the anxiety of our own lives, getting behind in the bills, unsure about our retirement fund being able to last. I do funerals and see the broken relationships I visit people with health concerns. Where is this shalom that Jesus is supposed to bring? Now, there's a, what we sometimes say is, well, this, this is a peace that's coming, right? The peace will someday be here. But, but that doesn't seem to be the wording of the Bible. The angels are proclaiming that this peace is here now. Isaiah writes that this peace is from this time forth forevermore. Since Isaiah writes these words, there's exile. The temple is destroyed. The Roman power. Jesus comes, but he dies on a cross. Think through the history of the Middle Ages and world wars, atomic bombs and cold wars. How many moments since these words were written about a prince of peace have we felt the opposite of peace in our lives and in our world? It's easy to see Jesus as the Prince of Peace. The difficulty is seeing that peace in our own lives and in our world. Pastor Rich Azell tells a story 
about finding graffiti in his church. Not on his church. You assume you sometimes get graffiti on your church. But, but he, he found it in the church. It was an outside door. And somebody had etched the words into the inside of the door. God was here. Back in that time when people used to say that. Jordan was here. You do that with graffiti. God was here. He figured it must have been an inside job, right? One of the kids in the youth group got a little bit rebellious. God was here. He was going to have to work to fix uh, this and sand this down or replace the door or talk to the kids about what had happened. But a week later, Pastor Rich was walking through the church to his office and he noticed that same door had been altered by graffiti once again. Someone had scratched out the word was and etched above it the word is. God is here. Well, that's more like it, thought the pastor. God is here. It's sometimes easy for us to talk about Christmas as if God was here. As if God was incarnate and he came and then he left and he's not here anymore. To speak of Jesus in the past tense. It's easy for us to think of peace that way too. That Jesus sort of came and he brought peace and he was here and then someday he's going to be here. But now in the meantime, we we don't have that sense of peace. But there there is a moment coming when we will have that peace. Where the word was will be crossed out and everyone will know that Jesus is here and that peace has come. True shalom will come. But we live in this weird time in between. This time where we sometimes feel like Jesus was here. And we have to do the work of crossing that out to believe that he is here. To believe that in spite of the pain, despite of the suffering, despite of the despair that we might feel or see around us, that peace has come. That shalom is here. That the baby wasn't just a was. But this peace is an is in our lives. And the church stands in war and in grief and in pain. Saying there's a peace that passes understanding. There's a peace you don't understand. There's a peace sometimes you have to choose to believe in the middle of the stuff that you're going in. But there's a peace that's here. That you sometimes have to work at, sometimes don't feel it, but there's a peace that's already here, but that's also coming. That is the braveness and the boldness of Christians at Christmas. We're saying that there is a peace that you may not feel, but but we light Advent candles and we see all these decorations and we sing all these songs because we believe that that peace is here. And somehow at Christmas, we want to feel that peace. And it's a real shame that we get caught up in the busyness of the holidays, right? That Christmas is almost the least peaceful time of the whole year as we run around and get stuff and we, gotta, we feel like we got to get more and we feel like we got to do more and we feel like there's too much to do in this holiday season. But this holiday season isn't a season of more, it's a season of peace. And it's my prayer that you would find that peace a little bit this week in a special way. That a sense of shalom, a sense of rightness, a sense of wholeness and prosperity would come over you this week as Christmas comes. That no matter what is happening in the world around you, no matter what you're praying for, no matter what you're worried about, 
you have a sense that you have a prince of peace that's taking care of it. That you find peace in the discouragement. My encouragement to you is that you will throw yourself into the arms of the Prince of Peace. And may you feel his presence in a special way this holy week. Let us pray. Lord, we confess that we don't always feel peace. In fact, sometimes we see peace and we move away from it because it's oddly uncomfortable for us. And so, speak. Move in our lives that we may feel your peace. In Jesus' name, amen.